What is Gen X? What is the silent generation? What do generations have in common? Hi, I'm Trish the Dish from the Gen X Voice Podcast, and I invite you to listen to conversations I have with folks from different generations, backgrounds, beliefs, and experiences in an attempt to see what connects rather than divides us. Even though Gen X has been called slackers, Karens, or not mentioned at all in some cases, we are the bridge generation, so I feel compelled to do my part to destroy ageism by bringing all these voices together. And, as a bonus, each guest gets to answer some 80s questions at the end of each show. So download and listen to Gen X Voice today on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And let's see how much we have in common after all. Neurological and cognitive disorders, as well as mental illness, have long been misunderstood, misinterpreted, and feared. Throughout the years, the American Psychiatric Association has discovered and sometimes removed clinical diagnoses that end up in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Each week, my co-host and I will bring you a new disorder and provide you with all the information you need to better understand how the human brain works. This is Psyche Saturday. Welcome to another episode of Psyche Saturday. I am your host, Sarah, and with me is the birthday boy, Dan. Happy belated birthday. Thank you, everybody. Yesterday was Dan's birthday. We, uh, we had pizza and tacos, just like he has every year for his birthday. It's his birthday, right. birthday dinner tradition. Yeah. How was your birthday? I mean, I worked, so, you know. Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> but the pizza was good. Good. And the tacos were good. Good. And the cake this morning was delicious. Yes, we had the cake this morning because we filled up on dinner last night, so we had cake for breakfast. And we still have pizza and tacos left. And cake. And, yeah, obviously. <laughs> we have a lot of cake. We have a lot of stuff that we'll be going through this weekend. Alrighty, as we continue through the schizophrenia spectrum, we will be discussing two significant disorders on this episode. Schizophreniform disorder and delusional disorder. There is not much research on either of these disorders and not too much is known about them, so we figured we would put them together in one episode. All right, we ready? According to the DSM-5, schizophreniform disorder is diagnosed by the following criteria. A, two or more of the following, each present for a significant portion of time during a one-month period or less if successfully treated, and at least one of them must be one, two, or three. One is delusions, two is hallucinations, 
Three is disorganized speech. Four is grossly disorganized or catatonic behavior. And five is negative symptoms. B, an episode of the disorder lasts at least one month, but less than six months. C, schizoaffective disorder and depressive or bipolar disorder with, with psychotic features have been ruled out. And D, the disturbance is not attributable to the physiological effects of a substance or another medical condition. Does this sound like something? Yeah, I mean, it kind of sounds like schizophrenia. Yes. Which makes sense because schizo is right there in the word. Correct. So schizophreniform disorder has the same symptomology as schizophrenia, but it lasts between one and six months, unlike schizophrenia, which can last an entire lifetime and generally does. Schizophreniform is a very short-lasting but serious mental illness. So what would you say is the prevalence of the disorder? And see, again, like I said last time, this is tough because it's basically just temporary schizophrenia. Yeah. So, like, do the numbers include the people that have schizophrenia or not? No. And do the numbers of people who's, who have schizophrenia include the people who have schizophreniform disorder? No. I'm going to think this is pretty rare because schizophrenia is already pretty rare. Although it could be more common because it's the same thing, but it occurs for a shorter period of time. I don't know. I don't know. It really could go in, in any direction. I can't possibly make a well-educated guess. But I'm going to shoot from the hip anyway. Okay. And say 0.8%. Okay. So considering it is very similar in nature to schizophrenia, it is estimated that it actually has the same prevalence as schizophrenia. And if we remember from the schizophrenia episode, that is approximately 0.3 to 0.7%. Okay. So you were close. <laughs> and I believe there were some studies that even brought it up to, um, I think, something like 1%, something like that. But yeah, roughly around this uh, this number. So you were, you were close. Which is a lot of people. 1% of all the people is like... 70 million people. Yeah. 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 There is not much else to say about schizophreniform disorder, except that it is indeed a serious mental illness. And if you believe you or someone you love may be showing these symptoms, try to get help. This is a disorder that can be extremely disruptive to someone's life and the earlier it is diagnosed, the earlier it can be treated, and the better the outcome will be. All right. So that's it for schizophreniform disorder. Because again, every time I would search something for schizophreniform disorder, schizophrenia itself would come up. And I wanted to differentiate between the two, but I could not find research that did differentiate. So mm -hmm. that was really all I could get on uh on that disorder it makes sense yeah so with that said we will now move on to delusional disorder this disorder has specific symptomology of delusions as noted in the name 
but none of the other criterion seen in schizophrenia or schizophreniform disorder. According to the DSM, delusional disorder is diagnosed by the following criteria. A, the presence of one or more delusions with a duration of one month or longer. B, criterion A for schizophrenia has never been met. C, apart from the impact of the delusion or its ramifications, functioning is not markedly impaired and behavior is not obviously bizarre or odd. D, if manic or major depressive episodes have occurred, these have been brief relative to the duration of the delusional periods. And E, the disturbance is not attributable to the physiological effects of a substance or another medical condition and is not better explained by another mental disorder such as body dysmorphic disorder or obsessive compulsive disorder. And that will make much more sense when we get into the subtypes of delusional disorder. So there are subtypes <laughs> of delusional disorder, and these include erotomanic, grandiose, jealous, persecutory, persecutory, persecutory. Either one. Yeah. Uh, and somatic. So, I mean, you can probably kind of guess from their names what delusion might come into play. But of course, I'm going to provide the definitions. Erotomanic type is when the delusion is that another person is in love with the individual, usually someone of higher status and can be a complete stranger. It is common for the individual to try to reach out to and contact the object of their delusion. Grandiose type is when the delusion is of having a great talent or insight and may have a religious context. So this is the one where people are you know, believing that they're God or Jesus or the Messiah or, you know, that kind of stuff. Jealous type is exactly as it says, uh, that the delusion is their partner is being unfaithful. And this is without due cause or true evidence and may be based on incorrect inferences. Persecutory type is when the delusion is that the individual is being spied on, conspired against, attempting to be poisoned, followed, etc. Small slights may be exaggerated. And somatic type is when the delusion is that the individual possibly emits a foul odor or that there is an infestation of insects on the skin, etc. So this is all about the senses. So it's what they believe about themselves. So they can smell like flowers. They can smell like perfume. They could have just showered. And they believe they smell rancid. Or that, yeah, there are there are insects crawling on their skin or there's insects under their skin. Or they have um, a worm in their body. Things like that. So it's all about the, the senses. All right, so what would you think is the lifetime prevalence of delusional disorder? I mean, I would think a lot because those are that's a pretty wide set of criteria. Okay. Um, I 
I'm going to say somewhere north of 2%. Okay. So according to the DSM-5, it is around 0.2%. They're wrong. <laughs> and what would you say is the most common subtype? Um, that narcissism one. Oh, the that grandiose, they, I think. The grandiose one? Yeah. Nope. It's actually... Or erotomatic? No. What? Per- persecutory. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so what would you say is the prevalence among inmates? A lot. Somewhere north of 2%. <laughs> According to a study by Tamborello, Beiger, and Reeves, the estimate was about 0.24%. Nope, nope they're wrong. <laughs> Listen, Tamborello, you gotta, you gotta look at your study, bro. Nope. This was with cry- diagnostic criteria from the DSM-4, which hasn't changed much oh. to the DSM-5. So, um, Four is old. Who wants the four? Four is old. It's true. Stupid last model. <laughs> but yeah, so apparently it's approximately the same as the general population. So, yeah. I don't buy it. I know you don't believe it. So, of course, I have not been able to find any well-known people who have delusional disorder, which is why this episode is so short. (laughs) But I did find some interesting case studies um, that I think we'll go through um, quickly just to see, like, what these subtypes are like. So this is from Dr. William H. Reed from his article, Delusional Disorder and the Law. So it actually goes through... um, competency and using this as like an insanity defense and stuff like that, which we're not going to get into on this episode. Um, I'm just going to go through the case studies. But there is a case that I would like to cover on Psyche Saturday because it has a lot to do with these kinds of disorders um, and competency to, to stand trial and competency at the time of the uh, crime. So I think we're going to do a special Psyche Saturday episode and cover that case and talk about what we perceive from it. All right. So this is case one and this is erotomania and stalking, which as we saw kind of goes hand in hand. So Ms. A, a woman with no known history of psychiatric treatment, but with long-standing paranoia and mild social dysfunction, developed a delusional belief that a very popular married local television weatherman, who they're calling Mr. B, was secretly in love with her. She believed that he communicated his love through particular signals during his broadcasts. They had not met in person before the events described, When the weatherman's wife became pregnant, the television station developed a human interest feature about the family. They mentioned the pregnancy every week or so. Soon after the birth, they televised photos of the infant and announced that he would be introduced to the world during an upcoming news broadcast. During the period that the pregnancy was being highlighted, Ms. A began to tell her co-workers that she was pregnant. She mysteriously and somewhat coquettishly kept the name of the father a secret. 
After Mr. B's child was born, Ms. A called his wife, confessed her delusional affair with Mr. B, and said that she too had just born his child. The wife immediately called Mr. B, who called the police. The police were unable to determine Ms. A's identity at that time. The infant's appearance on the newscast was canceled. However, on the evening on which it had been scheduled, Ms. A came to the television station ostensibly to confront Mrs. B with the affair and to appear on the show with her baby. She was detained by station security for trespassing, transferred to police custody, and taken to a psychiatric crisis evaluation center where she was determined not to be imminently dangerous. She was then released by the police. A temporary restraining order was later obtained prohibiting Ms. A from the contact with the weatherman's family or the television station. She repeatedly violated the order. Yeah. <laughs> no shock there. Was arrested and was eventually hospitalized involuntarily. She was soon released and began making upsetting telephone calls to Mr. B's home. When her behavior continued in spite of several episodes with the police and the local mental health agency, Mr. B and his family moved. So, great job, police? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and, like, you know, you can you can see, as the Psychiatric Institute, like, you clearly also didn't do your job. No. You can see that this woman has a disorder. How long was she in there? It care? Didn't, didn't say. Not long enough. Not long enough. And that's the thing, like, you, what's supposed to happen in those facilities is they're not supposed to release a person until they believe that they are okay enough to be out in society. The fact that they just didn't believe that she was a threat, like, clearly she could potentially be a threat. How do you not think that she's a threat? They right. were like, right. oh, well, you know, it's just, it's just, she's just saying stuff. Like, how do you know that that's not going to turn into actual right. physical action? How do you action? know she's not going to kill the wife? How do you know she's not going to kill the wife, take the baby? Right. She kept saying the baby was hers. Right. Like, that's... No. Yeah. No. She needed to be in a psychiatric facility for much longer yeah. than how how long she was in there. Yeah. And the fact that she was violating her restraining order, like, why, why were no charges brought against her for that? Right. Exactly. Yeah, but the the mental health the, this is the this is the thing that we talk about all the time. The mental health system in this country is is just failing people left and right. She wasn't getting the help that she needed. The people that she was stalking were terrified and ultimately had to move. How is this helping society? It's not. Exactly. Exactly. So even if she's not a threat, she still needs to get help. And that help that she was given was not enough. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah, because not only not only do you have to think about the, the safety and the well-being of the, the weatherman and his family, but, like, the woman is clearly broken and needs help. Exactly. Needs to be fixed. Do we not care about that at all? Right. Because she's crazy, so screw that. Mm -hmm. Just throw her in jail for the rest of her life? Like, exactly. no, maybe we should figure out what it is that's wrong and try to fix it and then she can have an actual life. Right. <sighs> exactly. So on to the second and uh, final case study that we will discuss. Fluctuating religious delusions 
filicide and legal insanity. So filicide is um, the killing of one's child. Mrs. P was a housewife with stable and loving relationships with her husband and children. She had no history of psychiatric diagnosis or treatment and appeared happy with her family and social life. She was active in her church and closely involved in her children's schooling. The family church was somewhat evangelical, and her devoutness and demonstrative behavior during Sunday worship were not viewed as unusual. There was no indication that her behavior was particularly different from that of many other worshipers. One night, acting on what she believed to be instruction from God, Mrs. P. methodically killed her two children aged six and eight years. She then called 911, guided police to the bodies, and was arrested. After refusing psychotropic medication in jail for several months, several months, (laughs) during which she had marked religious delusions, but was otherwise effectively and cognitively intact, she finally agreed to take an antipsychotic medication. Her delusions then subsided over several weeks and were replaced by severe grief and depression. She eventually became competent to stand trial and was found not guilty by reason of insanity. In retrospect, Mrs. P had been delusional for several years with at least two exacerbations of a strong belief that God was going to kill various members of her family. She believed this was God's plan, which she should not reveal to others. She was to be the instrument of that plan, and if she did not carry it out, her soul and those of her children would be fortified. She did not hear the voice of God directly, but rather interpreted ordinary events around her as God's communications with great meaning. None of her symptoms or behaviors was related to pregnancy or childbirth, nor to any other apparent psychiatric or general medication condition or medical condition, excuse me. There was no indication of any personal or secular benefit that she might have derived from the children's deaths. Right. And I was going to, I was actually thinking about that, you know, like for the people who are like, oh no, she's just doing it because she's a bitch. Like, but she gets nothing out of it. It's not like there's life insurance money that she's going to get, you know, or anything like that. It's not like this is revenge on the, the father of the children or anything like that. So, there, yeah, she clearly has some kind of motivation, which is irrational. Right. And that's coming from her disorder. Right. Yeah, exactly. There was another case that I actually had just heard on, on another podcast about a man who killed his, oh, I can't remember how many children it was. I want to say maybe three or four. Um, also because of something like this. He had a he had this delusion that um, his children were actually out to kill him, that they were going to kill him. And they were like young kids like this, like this young, like six and younger. Um, And he had this delusion for so long that they were going to kill him. So he in turn said it was either his life or theirs. And he ended up killing them. Um, And. In the police interrogation, you could hear his remorse on one hand, and then he would, like, switch and just be extremely matter-of-fact, talking about, well, yeah, they were they were going to kill me. And then it would turn right back to, 
oh my god, I killed my kids. How did I do this? Why did I? It, it, it was it was bizarre to hear that instant fluctuation that easily. And um, I personally do not believe he was putting on for the, the interrogation. I really do believe that he had these true delusions and, and that there was just something off in his psyche. And it was this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth that he was kind of fighting against. Um, I, I believe he said he didn't know it was wrong because he was like, I was going to die. So I was just, I, I was going to do it regardless. I think the police even asked him, would you have still done it if a police officer were there, like in front of you? And he said, yes. Right. So he, he right. really he believed clearly, yeah. his children were going to kill him. Right. Um, so that was the persecutory um, type of delusion. And so um, I believe he was found competent to stand trial, though, which was interesting. Um, competent to stand trial, not, I don't mean that, I meant he was competent at the time of the crime, which I found interesting. Um, I'll look up more about that case and see if I can, um, just give a little more information about it, because that's all I can really remember right now, but, um, there are a lot of those when it comes to filicide. A lot of parents kill their children and are essentially quote unquote family annihilators because of a delusion um, or psychosis. So, you know, it, it's, you know, people always say like, oh, well, they couldn't have been in the right, their right mind if they were planning to kill their children. And a lot of times they're not in their right mind when they're killing their children. I mean, usually, you know, you have such a connection to your children. That's just how the psyche and, and physiology even work. Um, so for somebody, especially a mother to kill their children, there's something, something's going on, right? There's something not working correctly up there. And, uh, we see a lot of times that it is something like this, that there's a, there's a delusion, um, or there's a, a religious aspect to it or, you know, things like that. So, yeah. Cause I mean, again, if, if there's no, if there's no practical reason for committing an act, then the person has some degree of delusion. Right. Yeah. Even if they're not diagnosable with something, you know, it, there's, there's human beings do stuff for reasons. Mm -hmm. And if that reason is in most of the time, that reason is like money. I go to work because I need money. Right. You know, I eat because if I don't, I'm going to die. My right. body is telling me, Hey, you're hungry. You got to eat food. Um, when people have a, a psychiatric disorder where they're gluttonous, they're eating, even though they don't need to eat. Right. Those people aren't just fat slobs. Those people are, are, broken there's something wrong that's yeah. telling them you got to eat you got to eat you got to eat yeah um and it's the same thing with like with people who hoard they yeah. don't you don't mm -hmm. need every newspaper for the last 10 years you don't need 47 blankets and 109 boxes of tissues you need one if i if if i need to blow my nose and there's no tissues around i'm like ah crap i gotta go to the store and get tissues but once i get the tissues my brain says okay we're good now right but if my brain were broken it would say you got to keep buying tissues right. and and that's you know, in this case, like, if if you have a life insurance policy on your kids and you kill them, you get money. 
Right, there may there may still be something wrong with you, but there may not be something wrong with you. you. May you may just be an asshole and you just want money and you're willing to kill your kids for it. Yeah. Or if you have a horrible relationship with your kids, they're constantly ignoring your your you know your demands. You clean up your room, be home at yeah. whatever time, and they're constantly not doing it. And they're constantly telling you to f off, and they're bringing their friends in and ruining your house while you're out at work or whatever. I'm not saying you should kill your kids. I'm just saying that <laughs> if you then killed your kids, I would say that's why you did it. Yes. There's a reason for it. Exactly. But someone who has a loving relationship with a family member and there's no history of violence or significant disagreement, if that person just kills the family member, there's something going on. That right. person is delusional in some degree. Yep. Yep. And that's why um, in the criteria for this disorder, they say, um, you know, it cannot be attributable to something like body dysmorphic disorder or obsessive compulsive disorder. Because like you said, there's kind of almost a delusion in those, but there's there's more to it than just having a delusion. It, there's more to it in, you know, body dysmorphic disorder where, you know, somebody looks in the mirror and truly believes even at 80 seven pounds that they're fat it there's a delusion that you are fat but it, it, there's more to it and again we'll get into all of that stuff when we go into those um types of disorders but exactly there's not you know the hoarder the you know like you're saying it, yeah. it's just and like with the body dysmorphic disorder thing like there's a lot of gray area in that where you could say yeah, if you've got 25% body fat, that's that's healthy. There's nothing necessarily wrong with you. It's not like you're 80% body fat where now you're at a health risk. You could be at 25% body fat and that's there's there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Like right. you're, you know, but maybe that's too much for you. Right. And then you lose some weight and you go out to 20%. You lose some more weight and you go out to 15% and now you're like very trim and lean and you're still at that point where you're healthy, but you could still be looking at yourself and saying, "Well, I don't like that." I'm going to fix that. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have body dysmorphic disorder, but it also doesn't necessarily guarantee that you don't. Right. Exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So there's a, there's a wide area where it could be or could not be. Right. Whereas if you murder your children and tell the police, God told me to do it, there's no gray area. That's right. black and white. That's exactly. There's something wrong there. Right. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's what we have for today's episode. Um, like I said, it's kind of short and sweet. There's not a lot of information on these two disorders. So that's why we figured we'd just throw them in together. And um, I think next week should be the last one that we're going to discuss on the schizophrenia spectrum. Um, and then hopefully the following week we will do um, that that case study that I was talking about. Because um, it's, re it's really interesting. It's really, really interesting. And it fits really well into this category of disorders so do you have anything else you want to add in into this one i don't think so i think yeah. i made uh i think i made the points i wanted to make all right but uh yeah you know i i, I guess just just want to reinforce that gray area thing that there are there are certain things in life that are black and white and there are certain things that are very gray and so just don't jump to any conclusions definitely you know take take your time be patient Make good, accurate observations before you come to any conclusions. Yeah. And that just applies to everything in life. <laughs> yes, it does. That's very true. <laughs> Be patient. People are not patient enough. I think I, I think I ranted about this in a recent episode, that human beings' biggest problems is impatience. 
Yeah. Just chill the F out. Yeah. Yeah, I think you did talk about this in, in another <laughs> episode. All right. So with that, uh, you can, of course, find us on all podcast platforms and you can find all of our social medias at our link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Blackbird Advocacy. Um, I do want to mention that we are having our next virtual podcast convention, Pod V Con Spring Break, March 12th through 14th and 19th through 21st. So it's two full weekends of live podcasting at our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash pod V com P O D V C O M M. And Dan and I will be bringing you a live blackbird. Still not sure what our topic will be, <laughs> but we will be on live and there's going to be a bunch of really fun panels, um, lots of different ways to win prizes. And uh, you don't necessarily have to be a podcaster to join the panel. So if you want to win some prizes, um, head to the group, facebook.com slash group slash pod join, and then you can sign up for whatever panel um, contest you want to you want to join. Chandler's scratching and knocking into what a bunch of stuff. That? Um, so yeah, um, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, our all new Blackbird episode, and uh, and stay tuned for next week because we're gonna bring you a really special Valentine's Day Blackbird next Sunday, where we do a film review. So that's gonna be fun. As always, don't judge a brain by its body. See ya tomorrow. Coming every week on podcast platforms everywhere. A podcast like no other. Listen to John as he talks about comic books, video games, and anything he wants. Every week is a new topic. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll subscribe. Follow The Basement Reload on all social media platforms at Basement Reload and smash that subscribe button. It's time for a reload.